Trades Work, the Rocky Mountain Mechanical Contractors Association podcast starts right now. Here's your host, Dave DeVille. Hi, welcome. My name is Monica Burton, and I have the pleasure of guest hosting here today on our Trades Work podcast in the absence of our fearless leader, Dave DeVille. So I am the Vice President of Rocky Mountain Mechanical Contractors Association, and I'm super excited to be here in studio today with Nathan Cooper, who is the Director of SMACNA Colorado. We will learn more about what that means later. Not everyone knows what SMACNA actually means, but um, Nathan, welcome. Thanks for being here. As a fellow association leader, I'm really looking forward to your perspectives on the ever-evolving industry. So welcome. Thank you. Yeah, it's great to be here on the uh, fastest-growing trades podcast in the state of Colorado. This is really exciting uh, to be able to sit with you this afternoon. That's right. It is. Thank you. Um, well, Nathan, tell us a little bit about SMACNA. When I say Nathan's the executive director of SMACNA, what does that mean? Yeah, so SMACNA is an association of uh, HVAC and sheet metal contractors. So SMACNA is the acronym that we use. It's the sheet metal and Air Conditioning Contractors National Association, Colorado Chapter. And that is a mouthful, so we use uh, SMACNA to stand in for that. And we are a group of about 60 contributing contractors. We primarily fabricate and install HVAC and air distribution systems in commercial and industrial settings. Uh, We also have a pretty strong contingent of contractors that fabricate and install architectural metal. So these are things like awnings or cornices or uh, even, you know, at the airport where they have uh, arrival and departure boards that are wrapped in stainless steel uh, or handrails and and catwalks. Those types of things are uh, things that our members fabricate and install all over the state of Colorado. Well, and it's interesting as a trade association ourselves, Rocky Mountain MCA gets the same question a lot. Well, what does that mean? What does it mean to run a trade association? So I look forward to talking to you and hearing a little bit about a little bit more about that. Earlier, you were sharing with us that your actual childhood dream was to be the executive director of SMACNA, very specific. What actually was your path prior to SMACNA and what led you down to the trade association path? Yeah, I wish I could say that I I had that in my eyesight from the time I was a kid and all the way through high school and college. But um, I've noticed that among association professionals, that is not typically the path uh, to, to get to this position. I started my college career wanting to be a journalist, to ask the tough questions and to inform the readership and to, um, you know, really speak truth to power, which was uh, a great pathway. I really enjoyed my time at the University of Iowa uh, studying journalism and had a lot of great influences along the way. Um, But one of the neat things about being in Iowa, especially in 2008 and 7 and 6, was the run-up to the Iowa caucuses. Mm -hmm. And Uh, Being a journalism student, I was kind of interested in uh, the politics of the day, uh, as well as sports writing. I actually um, was the beat reporter at the Daily Island for the volleyball team back in college as well. But when uh, the political, when the presidential candidates uh, started coming around and and hosting, um, you know, forums and uh, did stump speeches and and rallies, that really got me interested in that side of the world. And Mm so Um, After college, I went to work at the uh, Senate Democratic Caucus staff. Uh, I was a a communications guy, and I worked with a state senator at uh, the Iowa Senate, got a desk on the Senate floor, which was a thrill. And if you know much about politics and policy, 
associations are there representing their members uh, from from all over the place. So whether it's sheet metal construction or the uh, dental association or the hospital association, somebody has boots on the ground in those buildings advocating for those members. And uh, the way that I got connected with uh, the sheet metal contractors in Iowa was uh, through basketball. So the the senator I was working for invited me to come play with them on a Tuesday night, which was hosted at that time by the Sheet Metal Contractors of Iowa. Met that executive director, and after about uh, a 14-week legislative session, I went to work for uh, the Iowa chapter for 15 bucks an hour and the best health insurance two grand a year could buy. Wonderful. It's interesting. My original path was very different as well. I was a pre-dental student found myself working in politics, which led my, me to a trade association path as well. So it's interesting to hear kind of those, those parallels of started somewhere completely different, led down the path that you're on today. Um, as the leader of SMACNA Colorado, and as we are leaders here at Rocky Mountain MCA, you and I get to do a lot of really unique and rewarding work. We play really interesting roles representing management and labor. What do you think is the most rewarding part of that job and kind of facilitating those relationships? Yeah, for me, it's all about the education piece of this. You know, after I left the Iowa chapter, I went to work in the alcohol industry with the uh, Iowa Beer Distributors Association. Mm-hmm. And when I was thinking about uh, making the, the trip back to SMACNA and uh, out to Colorado, that was one of the things that really stuck out to me from my time at the Iowa chapter is the ability to kind of shape and influence quality and the professionalism and develop and foster uh, people in our industry who have really great careers. So an example of that here in Colorado is we have something called the SMACNA Elite Academy. Okay. And it is for uh, third and fourth year apprentices who have shown potential to be a leader in the industry in the future. So uh, we basically take the, the top 25% of uh, third and fourth year apprentices and we put them through a leadership training that is driven by SMACNA Colorado contractors. Okay. So these folks uh, get an up-close and personal look at uh, how business works in the sheet metal industry, everything from an introduction to uh, estimating and procurement to project management and a little bit about profitability as well. Okay. And so uh, that's a, a program that we launched about three years ago for the first time, and it's been really successful, and it's really, really impressive to see the talent that we have in this industry And I think it's really a need um, that we've been able to serve to elevate those future leaders and and really give them some access to uh, content and curriculum that they wouldn't ordinarily have access to. Absolutely. Well, and it sounds like such a cool way to kind of early identify those leaders and shepherd them into that role right away. Absolutely. And, you know, God willing, I'll be here for a long time. And I'm looking forward to the day that I see some of those apprentices uh, in training roles or in instructor roles or... Uh, being a business rep or being a project manager. And one of the cool things about our organization is I have a board of directors mm-hmm. and uh, half of our board of directors started their career in the industry in a apprenticeship program. Absolutely. So it's uh, absolutely possible to take a pathway from apprenticeship into uh, executive leadership or owning a company. And, and that's one of the, the fantastic and really under-discussed portions of our industry. Absolutely. Well, and it is exciting. And we see a lot a lot of similar pathways here at Rocky Mountain MCA where our contractors started as an apprentice, worked their way up, and are in leadership roles in a pretty quick period of time. So you're right. The pathway and the trajectory for 
for someone who really takes it seriously and wants to be in a leadership role is absolutely there. Well, you shared a little bit about what you love about what you do. What's the hard part? When you get up in the morning, what do you say, man, I don't want to do that today? Yeah, it's it's a good question. And, you know, I think anytime you're in um, an industry where your members are all in that same industry, you're going to have some interesting competitive dynamics. And I think while the vast majority of our members share the vision, uh, I think sometimes, not a lot, but sometimes we can have different opinions on how to get there. And so I think managing your members from the you know, the, the two or the five person shop all the way up to a company that's maybe doing four or $500 million of revenue, you have to figure out a way to accommodate all of those membership groups. And um, I, I think we've been successful at SmackDown by having a pretty smart and, and uh, a board that is intent about looking out for the good of the industry and, and kind of putting aside those competitive differences mm-hmm. in the boardroom, which I think is, is great. And, you know, another thing that certainly can be challenging, um, especially if you don't pay at the time it deserves, is that labor relations component. Absolutely. And, um, you know, we've been fortunate here in Colorado for the last 20 years. It's been a really positive relationship with our labor partners. Um, but that's not true in, in other parts of the country. And so I really am thankful to... Uh, our partners at Sheet Metal Workers Local 9 for seeing the value in communicating, uh, getting ahead of those problems before they um, come up and, and become real problems. And uh, it's just, you know, been a real uh, positive experience. And, and I don't take that for granted. I think um, that it takes work and it takes consistent and, and diligent openness with your business partners. Absolutely. Well, and I think that collaboration has been particularly visible in the last handful of years. Your association, our association, the Electricians Association, and several of our labor partners are all members of the MEP Alliance, the Mechanical, Electrical, and Plumbing Alliance. That alliance has really um, come a long way in the last several years and came together to form Western States College of Construction just recently. What are you most excited about when you think about the college and about the um, really role and function that SMACNA has in the development of that college. Yeah, no, it's it's fantastic. I, I had a great experience myself at the University of Iowa, but I also came out with $40,000 worth of student loan debt and uh, a really uncertain pathway forward. Mm-hmm. And I think I've made the most of it and, and maximized opportunities along the way. But I think, you know, elevating our apprenticeship programs uh, to the level where they are recognized as associate degree programs and mm-hmm. professional programs is really important. And I think, number one, it recognizes what we've already been doing for a long time. But uh, number two, it starts to allow us to tap into maybe folks that have not thought about the trades as a degree pathway into the future. Right. And I think it has the opportunity to um, you know, benefit us from a recruiting standpoint. But I also think in talking to a lot of our labor partners, they're really excited about the opportunity to have that degree and really have parity with other forms of higher education. Yep. It's such a unique opportunity to really validate those years and hours of work that are put into an apprenticeship in a new and unique way. What do you think makes this the right time? What is unique or special about this time that makes 2022 the right time to launch something like Western States College of Construction? I would say there's really no bad time to do it. So, um, you know, I think we've got a a really dynamic team in place between the MEP Alliance and our labor partners. Mm -hmm. You know, this is something that's been talked about on and off for for quite some time. But uh, to have the right group of people in place with the right vision to put this in place and, and go forward with it, it's really a great time to do that. And I think 
too, that you've seen, um, to some extent, college, especially through the pandemic, change right. pretty dramatically. And a lot of folks are looking for that traditional college experience, and that really has gone away at the moment. And I think um, the value proposition is there. Certainly, it's uh, really difficult to tell somebody who is entering college that they're going to be able to make 80 grand when they finish their college degree, you know, plus health insurance, plus a defined benefit pension, and, and uh, all the other benefits that go along with a career in the trades. And so I think we have uh, something very valuable to offer that demand. I think you're right. And we, we have heard that so much that the value proposition for college isn't the same for every student, and it's not the same as it used to be. So having having an opportunity to really recognize the time and the work put in in a unique way, is it gets me really excited. And it's why we're excited to partner with, with SmackDown and with so many others. So when you look at the future, Nathan, if you could look into your crystal ball and you could look ahead five years, what are your hopes for this industry? What are your hopes for the sheet metal industry in 2027? You know, obviously growth. You know, we're in a, a great place. Um, you know, we're sitting in Denver, Colorado, but really all over the state has experienced tremendous growth over the past uh, decade. And I would really hope to continue that growth into the future. Um, but we need to prepare ourselves. I think in the last five years, construction has probably changed more uh, than it has in the 25 years previous to that. And I think we mm -hmm. need to be prepared for that technological change. Uh, I think we need to be prepared for gains and efficiencies. Sure. And I also think we need to be on the lookout for uh, what is best for the, the general public. Because um, you know, we're, we're trending toward building codes in some cases that are going away from forced air. And that was very popular because it's very efficient, or it right. can be right. very efficient in, in some circumstances. Uh, but what we learned from the pandemic is, gosh, having fresh air, fresh conditioned air uh, is, is really a good thing during a pandemic. So uh, we need to make sure to educate policymakers and designers and builders that uh, from, from our perspective, indoor air quality is the most important thing in a building. Mm -hmm. If you don't have a healthy building, you've got big problems. And I think, um, you know, we can do that in creative ways. You know, we can bring in 100% outdoor air. We can condition that. And um, we need to continue to, to promote what we do as an industry. Sure. Do you think that's the biggest change you've seen over the last 10, 15 years is that need and that change in kind of the environmental requirements that are thrown upon your industry? Yeah. I mean, the, the building standards are, are evolving and, and changing and um, a lot of those are great goals. You know, of an HVAC system, 40% of that uh, energy consumption is a lot of times in the fan power. So it does take a little bit of juice to power those systems. But I think, you know, especially like right when the pandemic started uh, in 2020, we had customers calling and asking in a hospital setting, for example, to turn uh, a regular hospital room into uh, an ICU, ICU room with negative pressure. And so uh, suddenly we're uh, jumping into action and meeting the need for uh, the medical community when, yep. when they need a different type of, of pressure for certain circumstances. Yep. We've actually heard quite a bit with other guests on our podcast some of those same examples of how their industries had to step up during the pandemic, how their job has dramatically changed during the pandemic. Aside from the example you just gave, are there others that you can provide for really how has the sheet metal industry been dramatically impacted by the changing demands from the pandemic? Yeah, it's it's really been interesting to watch. In terms of hours, not a lot has changed, fortunately. So um, 
you know, construction is a long process. So mm-hmm. I think right now in, in the you know fourth quarter and first quarter of 2022, we're seeing uh, a small lag from that time in March, April, May of 2020 when, um, you know, everybody just didn't know what was going on. So right. everything froze, right? And so I would say, fortunately, in the, in the construction side of the world, we've been able to maintain. And when we started, we, when, when we went into this pandemic, I was fearing that our industry would be hit in a similar way like we were in 2008, 9, and 10 right. uh, with that long, drawn-out decline in hours. But we were de- deemed essential from the start, which is great. And um, we've been able to, to maintain and even add a few bodies to our population count. So, you know, my takeaway from that is this is a resilient industry. Yep. This is an industry that is essential, that is going to be in demand, regardless of, of kind of what happens around us. And especially with this new focus on indoor air quality, uh, this is a great time and a great place to be. Absolutely. And I, I mean, I could not agree more. The need and resiliency for the traits has never been demonstrated to a higher degree than the last couple of years. I have one more question for you. And you can't say journalism since I know that's your background. If you were to choose any other career path, you were not going to work in the sheet metal industry. You were not going to be a journalist. What would you do? So I spent a lot of Saturday mornings at Nordic Lanes bowling with friends. And I spent a lot of Saturday afternoons coming home and watching professional bowling on ABC with Chris Schenkel as the announcer. I've got a bowling pin signed by three professional bowlers from a tournament in Minneapolis, Minnesota that my dad took me to when I was like nine years old. So I would love to be a professional bowler. Awesome. I did not know that the key, the key to Nathan Cooper's heart was bowling, but now we know. So that is fascinating. This is why I love this podcast. You learn so much about people that you did not know before. So that is very fascinating. Um, Well, thank you so much for being here. Are there any other kind of tricks of the trade, special things that you want to share with us before we wrap up? Gosh, you know, this is um, an industry that has a place for everyone. There are a lot of folks that serve their apprenticeship, become a journeyman, work with their tools, uh, and have a great career and have a really good retirement benefit when they're done. Uh, But there's also a lot of ways to advance. Project management, superintendent, instructor, business rep, and any number of other ways that you can find yourself uh, a place in this industry beyond working with the tools. So it's not it's not something where you have to just do, uh, you know, to just become a sheet metal installer uh, for your entire career. There are ways to elevate yourself and, and make a career here. Yep, and I think you and I are both examples of that. It wasn't the original path, and and it's the future for both of us. So thank you so much for being here. We appreciate your time and we're just really grateful for your partnership. Thank you for being such a great partner and for being really in this work with us. Same to you. Thank you so much for listening. It's been my pleasure to guest host this episode of Tradeswork. Please rate, review, and subscribe. Tradeswork is a production of the Rocky Mountain Mechanical Contractors Association. For more information about our organization, please visit rmmca.org.